1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. I'm your host, Tess Skinner. And today's guest, we have Matthias Samuelson. It says here that your dad could jail. You, could you Show. Another classic American name. It's Mike Shope.
0: Your goal song is the country song Trip Too Heart by Little Baby. Why?
2: Uh it's a good song. I like I like the beat.
0: No, why do you have a goal song?
2: And the Bulldog. Oh, um hoping one day you get one. Dream Big,
1: that's good. On WGR Sports Radio 550.
2: The
3: Sabres now fifty games into their twenty-three-twenty-four season, yet to win a third straight. Yet to win three straight. Better way to put that. Had a look at it last night. Had 47 shots on goal. Scored once. And last year's third highest scoring team in the league cannot score. And it lo- looks headed for Bulldog 13, a 13th straight non-playoff season. Greg Wyshynski with us from ESPN. I mean, it'd be weird if we had this whole conversation and did not talk about the Sabres. I'm a little bit tempted, but we I would just be like, <laughs> what? You know, if, if we were in, uh, I was going to say Utah, but maybe even Utah is getting a team. Somewhere else, Sure. Greg, what what is, hi, by the way, hope you're well. Hello, I'm doing fine, thanks. <laughs> what What is, like historically for you, 12 going on 13 years in a row without the playoffs? My son asked me this question the other day, he's 14, he's like, has that ever been done? I'm like, I don't know, maybe, maybe in the 50s or the 40s, some inept original 60s. I, I don't even know if this is a record, but it seems like it maybe okay. should be.
4: I don't think it's a record. I'm, I'm going to check this right now, fact because I've got the page open. But I'm pretty sure that the Florida Panthers had something in, uh, along those lines. I mean, they didn't okay. make the playoffs from 2000 to 2012. So I guess they this is even Plus. maybe longer than that. But again, you guys are talking to a New York Jets fan.
2: Like, what do you yeah. what do you want from me? Or it's like crowds? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, how how do you feel like? How do you view the Sabers? And I don't know if you you know if if they come up at all when you're talking with your uh, with your peers. Um, but like, for example, I don't know. Six weeks ago, I, I might have thought uh, an NHL team underachieving this badly probably would change their coach they didn't and now it feels too late to even bother and i don't know it just it feels like we're just kind of watching the wheels go round here
4: yeah i mean that the thing i'd heard you know in season is that if there was any change behind the bench it would probably happen in the off season it wasn't something they were looking to do in season i mean they're, they're just kind of a middling team i mean you're a middling offensively um i, I don't think they've really shown too much improvement five on five defensively you know, obviously the hope before the season was Devin Levi was going to be the solution to goal that didn't happen, but then lo and behold, it looks like they might actually have to some sub- 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 something in UPL now, the way that he's played down the stretch. Um, you know, obviously in-, in talking to people around the league, like one of the things that really stands out is the course correction for T.H. Thompson. There are probably numerous factors for that, but it's obviously something that a lot of people, you know, bear witness to, and, and, uh, and, and you wonder mm-hmm. if uh, his, his – Scoring standards uh, had had been maintained for this season, how things might be different in the standings. But, you know, they were in that three-pack of teams that everybody expected one of them were, were going to emerge. Uh, they didn't. The Senators didn't to an even more spectacular failure degree of, right. like, firing everybody. And then Detroit did and, and, and maintains a, a wild-card spot this late in the season.
3: Are, were you saying, Greg, that people around the league you speak to might have predicted thompson's regression his spike oh no. okay okay
4: no 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 I'm, I'm saying it was a surprise i'm saying you know that, that it's a surprise and and you know when you talk about the sabers their lack of success it's something that does come up uh the, the fact that uh that he hasn't performed to his his recent averages uh, okay this season
3: because i i ask myself whether i should have predicted it only in the sense that his year last year was shockingly good you know i mean yeah I don't know, Bulldog. Maybe this is an unfair point. I made it yesterday with you. Just okay. Well, you know, maybe teams key on them more. These different things that can happen in in hockey and sports when one guy becomes such a star. But in hockey, they the top the very top guys get theirs. You know, like in basketball, you you really can't stop the very best players. And a year ago, we were talking Mario Lemieux here. So right. he he was hurt. It's just been a a, a tough one this year.
4: No, and and the injuries probably play a part in that too. And I mean, but but you know his averages across the board just aren't what they were last year. I mean, when you go from three point nine points per game points per sixty in all situations down to two point four, that's a gargantuan difference year over year. His shots on goal per sixty are down. You know, there's a lot of metrics that are trending in the wrong direction for him this year. And and you know maybe it's an injury, maybe it's I don't know the the, the team just not performing around him as well. But like. Something's up. And I, I choose to believe that the guy that we saw last year is, is Stage Thompson and that this is the anomaly. Uh, but it's, it certainly didn't help the effort this year to have him not be as dominant as he was last year.
2: Yeah. If he had even gotten like, sort of, I don't know if he's even on the pace from two years ago, like two years ago was a breakthrough year. What I didn't expect was another step that we got last season where there was just there was just more there. There was there was, you know, just one on one like he was he was like taking people off the dribble, you know, so to speak, in a way last year that's that would spawn the Mario Lemieux uh comparisons. I don't even think he's fallen back to the year before's uh stats and projections. So yeah, you know, injuries there's also been like this is where the coaching part of it comes in, Greg. The The Sabres very much made an effort to start this year to become more responsible defensively. And, you know, I think anyone who follows hockey can understand that and appreciate why they wanted to do that. They were pretty loose last year. It was a lot of fun to watch but they wanted to get the best of both worlds, right? We've got this explosive offense, but we can dial back a little and get better in our own end, and we'll become a better all-around team. And a lot of guys, it's not just Thompson. It's Dylan Cousins, too. It's Alex Tuck as well. And and health, of course, plays a part in, in all of those guys to an extent, but their numbers are all like two-thirds of what they were last year.
4: Yeah. And for the record, his numbers are below what they were in 21-22 as well across the board. So he's not even hitting those marks. Now, you know, if we wanted to kind of play the optimist game, which I know is not an easy thing to do when it's Buffalo, but, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like what if this is a growing pain? What if these young players are being tasked with having to play, um, you know, defense and and be more defensively responsible, which we can all agree has been a deficiency for this team, and and this is how it's reflected in their numbers. I mean, maybe – Maybe they take away something from this year. Maybe they get better defensively, and then they can kind of figure out their way offensively after this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just looking for a silver lining. Um, but, yeah, I mean, clearly clearly something's gone awry as far as their production this year.
3: I don't want to badger the point about uh, Granado. I know the last time we spoke, brought up, it just seems like, seems like a, a reasonable question in most NHL settings where you have, like McClellan goes recently. You've got guys that have won a lot, just sort of this vagabond, you know, uh, existence, going from team to team, and I, I guess I would like to hear you, though, Greg, like just sort of on the the concept of that or the reality of that in the NHL when it comes to coaches, where like you know you know the Devils and Devils teams, I don't know Fatorik, what it was it like you Devils teams that are they look like a cup. Potential cup winners and they're make, lose making a coaching change with a, a month to go or something like that. It it it's, it isn't sacrosanct, you know. This kind of thing, especially when a team A is losing and B has been losing what for what feels like forever. Uh, what's the not specific to Granado, but sort of what, what's the counterpoint or what's sort of your attitude about coaching life in this league?
4: Well, I just I just laughed because you know I mean look no further than what happened on Long Island recently where Patrick was now the coach. You know, right before the All Star break, Lewis, Louis still pulling the trigger as much as he can. I mean, I, I think the thing the Sabers are going to have to answer in this off season, and I know that there are obviously, you know, financial considerations and things of that nature with how much you're, you, you, you want to spend on a coach. But it's going to be a pretty decent collection of guys that are available. I mean, not only McClellan, like you said, who it, it does have another year on his contract beyond this one, so. You'd have to take that into account insofar as what his salary might be. But then you have got Craig Berube, who has a cup ring. Then you've got Jay Woodcroft, who's really, really highly thought of. Things didn't work out in Edmonton this year, but he, he did a good job there. I think in the previous couple of seasons, you do have a, a, a collection of guys that are going to be out there that might be able to come in and, and improve things. Um, if, if in fact you think they could be an upgrade over over Granado, so that's that's what makes. This situation is a little interesting. is like, It's not like they're going into the offseason that there aren't options out there on the coaching market.
2: Yeah, the big question is whether they'll, they'll have an appetite to do anything about it. They have had, I think, a, a concern here that maybe you, you wouldn't think of is the number of guys that Terry Pagula has paid not to work for him, especially with the <laughs> yeah, Sabres. Exactly. And Granado just got a contract extension that doesn't even kick in until next season. I think, or even the year after, I I don't even know. Like they're they're just on the hook. They're on the hook now, and like what we don't want is them not doing something. Like I, you know, I can appreciate the hair trigger uh, life that an NHL coach. They largely are they to blame every time they get fired. Probably not, but it it is an easy move instead of you know firing twenty players. You can't do that. I think a lot of us in Buffalo are worried that they're just not going to do anything because they don't want to pay another coach to not work for them.
4: And that's, that's a huge thing, like I said earlier, about the financial considerations. I mean, the guys that we're talking about in the open market are not going to come work here for peanuts. You know, you got guys with Stanley Cup rings. you got guys that were making $5 million a clip in McClellan's case or somewhere in that neighborhood. Like, I mean, you know, it, 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 you got to pay to get quality. And, and they, the question is, is, like, you also want to pay someone to not work for you. And, and like you said, it's something they've done before. It's probably not something they want to do again. And uh, it brings you right back to square one.
3: Certainly, I don't want to sound like we're trying to talk you into this or anything like that. <laughs> uh, it's not like it would pre- it would break Pagula, but you know, uh, fair enough. The point the point uh, is is made. Greg Wachinski with us here from ESPN on the Western Hotline. Let's talk about All Star Weekend for as much fun as we all have banging on the NHL. I thought they did great with the Friday night skill stuff. It seemed like it was incentivized properly or smartly, I thought it was really watchable and, and fun and the players except for one were were pretty into it. Uh how about you?
4: <laughs> yeah, the Kucherov thing was uh was was amusing in the way that he reacted to it during the All Star game. But man, I see those guys in those passing skills competitions. If it's not working for you, you get real disengaged pretty quick. Like Barzell had those little mini nets he was trying to hit for what seemed like seven hours during <laughs> the end of the skills competition. And like by that time you're just like enough um, they have a, they have a real interesting question to answer about skills going forward. And, you know, we're not getting an all-star game next year. It, it could be back in some way, shape or form before the Olympics in 2026, but like, we'll do this again at some point. And what they're going to have to figure out is there's no question that the limited field of 12 players made this thing more competitive and made it more intimate and made it more like you're following, you know, guys from event to event and, and getting engaged in, in, how they're performing. It also, though, means that there are only twelve or fewer than twelve markets that are engaged with their guys participating in skills. So, you know, in this edition, you didn't have a Ranger, you didn't have a, a Red a Red Wing, you didn't have a lot of guys from really big U.S. television markets, Buffalo included, that uh, that were participating in skills. And, and you know, hockey is nothing if if not tribal. You know, and tribalism means you want to watch your guys, you want to watch your teams. And so while it made for a great event, I do wonder what they're going to do with it because they might be limiting themselves in in the amount of of markets that that will want to watch the skills competition.
3: Even if that includes designated passers, would uh, would, would (laughs) would more Sabre fans have tuned in if if the Sabres had a designated passer like Crosby?
4: Yeah, the Crosby thing's weird. Like, you figure he would have been a part of this. I don't know. Maybe he's just too old to get shown up by a bunch of youngins, (laughs) but... You know, like him and Bedard coming out for the ceremonial passing thing. I mean, like when, when you're serving a role that like Doug Gilmore serves at yeah. age 70 or whatever the hell he is, like you're not really you're not really contributing too much to the proceedings. But I don't know. I, I'm with you. Like it's a it's a tough call because I liked it a lot, and uh, and I'd love to see them do it again in that format. It's just a matter of. You know, trying to figure out maybe they, they're, they're a bit more judicious in the, in the players they choose to really maximize the exposure.
3: Good point. And as you implied, I mean, more than one Leaf, more than one Canuck, maybe also. Like there were a couple of teams that had multiple yeah, there were. Yep. Uh, competitors.
2: Well, we're a month out from the trade deadline. Um, how, how, how hot do you think things will be here? Um, I mean, we've already seen a couple of, you know, pretty substantial trades with forwards. I mean, Vancouver... Uh, making the move they did, and then um, Monahan getting moved. Uh, those might, might have been the top two center options available, and they're already off the board. Um, what, what do you suppose uh, we, we've got in store in this uh, next few weeks?
4: Should, should be pretty interesting. I, I think the three things to watch: uh, two teams in particular, Calgary, clearly in a selling mood uh, based on what we saw with the Lindholm trade. They still have Chris Tanev. Uh, as one of the better defensemen that are going to be available. And I think it's going to, there's going to be a pretty robust market for him as a last piece of the puzzle guy. I think Colorado is going to be really interesting to watch because they're extremely unhappy with Ryan Johansson right now. They need a second-line center. They didn't get Windholm. They didn't get Monahan, And so where do you turn next if you're Colorado? Because that's a huge hole in their lineup. Um, and then the, the, in more of a general sense, I think goaltending is going to be really interesting to watch. You've got some teams – like Los Angeles, like New Jersey, especially, that seem like they really need to add another steady hand and goal to their to their you know a collection of, of net miners that they have. And so, you know, you've got guys like Montreal's Jake Allen. You've got some other guys that might be available. But the one I keep on coming back to is like if Minnesota's out of this thing and Mark Andre Fleury comes to GM Bill Guerin and says, "Hey, I want to play for a contender." It's a pretty pretty big name that you could throw into your tandem at some point if you're one of these
3: contenders. Who might you like the most for him? Who might need him the most?
4: I mean, again, who might need him the most are the Devils and the Kings, just because of their goaltending situations in particular. But I mean, as far as like where the the, the maximum fun would be, you know, it's Toronto. Like,
1: <laughs>
4: it's, it, it, I mean, Mark Andre Fleury as potential goaltending savior for a Leafs playoff team. I mean, you know, get ready for for. You know, just an incredible amount of digital ink spilled from those people up in in Toronto as they cover that story.
2: That's pretty tasty. You you mentioned a a number two center in Colorado, and we were talking about Casey Middlestad in the first hour of our Mm. show today. Yeah. uh, Because he's an RFA, and... It's been kind of curious, you know, they, they haven't gotten anywhere. Uh, and to, I asked Kevin Adams a couple of weeks ago if they had any interest or even the Middlestad camp had approached them about an extension, and he said no. They, you know, we know the commitments they've made already to um, both, you know, up front and on the back end. And Middlestad might be the first guy here who's sort of breaking through for them, becoming – he's their leading scorer right now – um, yeah. But he's an RFA after this year, and then eventually a UFA, and it might be it might be time.
4: So sure. I'll give you the abridged version of what you just said: sell high. I think right. is probably what you are saying, right. <laughs> Middlestead. Right? I mean, it's, it's not a bad choice. I mean, like again, you know, somebody with an expiring contract, somebody who doesn't have term right now. Like that's clearly more in the purview of the kind of player that a team like Colorado would be looking for. So not not a bad thought there, as far as as maybe being a solution. Again, like. They're going to have all the options on the table. You still have a guy like Adam Henrique with the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, I don't know if anybody really knows what the situation in San Jose is for players like Hurdle and Couture. They'd be really interesting options. But uh, but but yeah, Colorado is definitely a, a team to keep your eye on because they have such a glaring need right now, and, and clearly, thanks to uh, Mr. McKinnon, have uh, their eyes on the
3: prize again as you write about the uh, heart favorite at this point, Nathan McKinnon. Greg, quickly before you go, why is the NHL in the middle of the season uh, wanting to retroactively change hit stats?
4: <laughs> you know, I, I saw that. And then, and then yesterday they also retro, retroactively changed some shot totals, including one where I think they gave Timo Meyer the Devils, four shots instead of three and a half shots or, or three shots. And as anyone who, who gambles on player props know, three and a half is usually the number for a guy with high shot volume. And the only thing I could think of when I saw that was, did they just like win a bet for somebody like months ago that they lost? I don't know, man. I don't know how that works with the sports books. But, you know, I think from time to time, they just want to analyze things. The hits, the hits thing is really interesting. I mean, you guys know how specious that, that stat category is, <laughs> from arena to arena, I know that used to be the old joke when Cal Clutterbuck played for the Minnesota Wild that when he played in Minnesota, every hit counted for 10. So I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they've decided to go back and audit just to see, you know, which arenas are, are over-counting hits or what have you. But that's a stat that, um, you know, doesn't really tell you anything. It's, it's, it's good to know guys that throw checks, but ultimately I think it's been one of those stats that the analytics community has really kind of changed the focus of, which is if you're hitting, it means you don't have the puck. And so more hits actually
3: means bad things for your team, believe it or not. Right. The props thing is no joke. You know, fantasy sports, too. Like, if, if has the NHL yeah. ever heard of these things? I, <laughs> I, I think how it works at the book is they say, sorry, sir, this is closed. I mean, this is weeks right. ago or months ago. I mean, just a, a wild thing that they would change the but stats that, in the middle. It,
4: I, I, you know, I, I was thinking about reaching out to a couple places just to find out for sure because – that's a, that's a real, that's I mean, you know, I don't know how they work the player props, revisions, and other sports, but like adding a shot to a guy's total months later is, is you know, changing basically whether you won or lost a bet. And uh, like I, I'm sure it's like you said, you know, what's done is done in the moment. The, the final box score is the final box score. But I just, that's when I saw that that mm-hmm. that, that change for Meyer, I'm like, oh, man, that, that would be really pissed off right now if I bet that guy and he hit the under and all of a sudden he hits the over two months later.
3: I shouldn't go public with this but i had 25 grand on a marner shot prop <laughs> that i'm starting to wonder about because i didn't win maybe i should have maybe i have a case here greg always a treat
2: to talk to you
4: if, 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 if you're dropping 25 grand on, oh. on hockey props you got bigger problems that was a light
2: night that Great. was a light night you've never worked am radio in buffalo new york greg i mean yeah. you don't know what <laughs> i'm sure it wasn't my only my only ticket
3: very good thanks for your time as always greg Anytime, thanks. Greg Wachinski from ESPN. Mike Schopen, and the Bulldog here on the Sabres. Trading the leading scorer in a 13th straight non-playoff season is a very Sabres thing and I think I support it. I mean, I think I would. But I don't know. It's just so so lonely. We'd love your calls on it if you have the stomach. Uh we'll talk some more Super Bowl too and the Bills making a couple coaching hires today. We'll have that in the update. Mike show in The Bulldog, 803 0550. This is WGR. Okay,
0: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track, all wheel drive, and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe.